Good morning, church. Great to have you here today, and uh, just so delighted to uh, see each one of you uh, pull back the covers and come to worship the Lord and Savior Jesus this morning. Great to have you here. Please take a moment to find your message outline on the back side of your worship flyer. And if you have a basket of pins underneath your chair in the aisle, please pass those pins down your row, and uh, you can kind of fill in the blanks as we go. Uh, go ahead and turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll be there in just a moment. Today we're kicking off a brand new series of messages from the New Testament book of Ephesians. And we're calling this series People of the Kingdom. Because this book, in this book, God tells about the work that He's already done for us. And He talks about the way that the people of His kingdom should walk. And so if we were going to kind of boil down and simplify the entire book of Ephesians, we could simply say that Ephesians is all about God's work for us and our walk for Him. God's work, our walk. And over this fall, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. And you're going to see go up on this board this fall different words that describe the people of God. So today we're going to talk about how the people of the kingdom are blessed, truly blessed. Now, Ephesians is a letter that God inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the church that he started in the city of Ephesus. Paul's now sitting in a prison cell in Rome. He's now 65 years old. Most of us would say, I'm in prison, I'm 65 years old, okay, I'm done. But he didn't give up. From that prison cell, he penned a letter to the followers of Jesus in Ephesus. And in that letter from prison, he poured out his heart to those that he had led to Jesus, but he could no longer be with. You see, just 13 years earlier, Paul had entered Ephesus for the first time. He had proclaimed to them that Jesus was the Savior of the world. Many believed. Many lives were instantly changed. And he started that church in the city of Ephesus. And then Paul stayed there for three and a half years, pouring his heart into those new believers, all that he knew and all that he'd experienced himself with the Lord Jesus Christ. These people had his heart. But now this young church was led by a young pastor called Timothy. And Timothy was trying to help this young church stand firm for Jesus in a city that was completely opposed to Jesus. When this letter was written, Ephesus was a growing city. It was about 300,000 in size. It was a city where the commerce trade was huge. Arts and sciences. It was a, a city known for its religion that focused on idol worship and magic arts. And in the temple of this city, they celebrated and worshipped Diana. You see, it was not only a wealthy trade city, it was not only a tourist hot spot, but it was the home of this temple dedicated to the worship of the goddess Diana, a pagan fertility goddess. And in her temple, there were priestesses. And in reality, they were temple prostitutes. So when you went to the temple to worship, you went to have sex with one of the priestesses or the prostitutes. That was a part of worshiping Diana, the goddess of fertility. So Ephesus, as you can imagine, soon became 
a sex-crazed, sex-saturated city. And as you can imagine, many were eager and very faithful to attend that kind of church. Amen? Every week they went to church. Maybe even on Wednesday night. I don't know. So Paul, wanting this young church that he started, that he had poured his heart into and could no longer be with, he wrote them this letter to to help them stay to say, stand strong in this sin-filled city, this, this godless city. And so he wrote this letter of Ephesians. Now, folks, all of God's word is written to us from God. It's, it's God's conversation that he's having with us. Every part, every jot, every tittle is for us. But this letter that Paul wrote to the Gentile Christians in Ephesus, I think is more than relevant as we try to stand strong for Jesus, as we now live in cities that are not a whole lot different than Ephesus. And as we unpack this book this fall, you're going to find incredible help as you try to live for Jesus. Incredible encouragement to keep on living for Jesus right here and right now. And as Paul begins this letter... He first focuses on just how blessed the people of his kingdom really, really are. No matter where they live, no matter what they have to endure to stand strong for Jesus, he says we are blessed people. And he begins this letter by talking about three ways that those of us who believe in Jesus and follow Jesus are really blessed people. Let's take a look at his word. Let's begin chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. I'm going to ask you to kind of hang on because we're going to read a little chunk of Scripture. So hang on and follow in the screen and let God put this into your heart. It begins, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing that's in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one Jesus that he loves. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray once again. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would drive it deep into our soul today. 
Lord, help us to leave here with a great understanding of just how blessed the people of the kingdom really are. I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The first blessing is this. Write it down. We are blessed by the Father's plan. By the Father's plan. You know, before anything was created by God, no matter how minuscule the molecule, before God created anything, He had already made a plan in His mind, in His heart, for you and me to be in fellowship with Him forever. Before He said, let there be land, let there be light. Before any of that, the Father had a plan for you and me to be born into this world but to also be born into his eternal kingdom. Get that deep in your soul. Before he created this planet, he'd already created a plan for the people of his kingdom in his heart and mind. He had already thought about you. In fact, write this down. He chose us. He chose us. Before he created anything, he chose us to be his people and to belong to his kingdom. You see, God wanted a family. God wanted kids to live in his house forever with him in fellowship for all eternity. And I can kind of understand that. There came a point in Shirley and I's uh, married life, and we've been married about four or five years, where we decided we wanted a family. And in fact, we became kind of kid crazy. And we began to babysit the nephews and nieces that were close to us. And man, we just began to love those kids. And I remember when, when uh, little Lance took his first baby steps and uh, we were there to see him. Mom and dad weren't, but we were there and we, were, we thought we were just awesome, you know. And uh, we had just kind of gotten kid crazy because we wanted a family. We wanted kids in our house. We wanted a family to spend our whole lives with. We're kind of over that now, but no. <laughs> Not really. My son Scott and his wife and our grandkids are here today. So, yeah. But we want a family to spend our lives with, to, to have fellowship with. The Bible says we're made in the image of God. God wanted a family and God wanted kids in his house forever. Verse 4 says, For he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world. Look at that. Before the creation to be holy and blameless in His sight. He chose us to be His family. He chose us to know Him as our Heavenly Father. He chose us to enjoy and manage the creation while we were here that He hadn't even yet created. He chose us to live like Him while we're here, to be holy and blameless like Him. God chose us. Have you ever been chosen for anything? You know, it feels so good when, when somebody chooses us. Ever been chosen for a, a pickup game of soccer or baseball? Man, it feels good when they say, hey, Larry, I want you on my team. It feels good. Ever been chosen to be a starter on a team? Ever been chosen for a school honor? Ever been chosen to attend the college that you applied for? Have you ever been chosen for the job that you applied for? It feels so good to be chosen. So get this in your soul. Before God created anything in this world, He had already chosen you to be in His family. That's hard to comprehend. That's hard to get in your heart, mind, and soul. 
that he knew that you would be here today. He knew the color of your hair. He knew your gifts. He knew your failures. He knew your joys. He knew your name. Even before your parents did. (laughs) But back then, God chose you. And he wanted you to be in his family. So he not only chose you, but then he took another step. He says, and I'm going to adopt them. Write this down. He adopted us. Before he created anything, he came up with a plan to adopt us as his very own sons and daughters to live in his very own eternal heaven. He came up with a plan to make us his very own children. So motivated by love for the people he would one day create, he made a way for us to become part of his very own family forever. Parenthood is a short time. It's only for earth. But God says, I want them to be my kids forever. Amen? Amen. In fact, the Bible says, in love, he predestined us, here it is, for adoption to sonship, or we could say daughtership. And how's that happen? It comes through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, the Roman world had all kinds of laws governing adoption. And many of our laws are the same today. When a person was adopted, no matter to whom he was born, he gained full rights to his adoptive parents' blessings. Full rights. Full family status was given. Name, family privileges, love, lifestyle, inheritance. Out of love, the Roman adoptive father would say, I love you. Today I choose you. Today I adopt you. Now listen, God the Father has done the same. I love you, I choose you, and I adopt you. God the Father loves everyone. He chooses everyone. He adopts everyone who comes to him through a relationship with his son Jesus. And beyond that, it gets even better. And then God the Father gives grace to us. He not only chooses us, not only adopts us, but he gave grace to us. He gives favor that we just don't deserve. Verse 6 says this, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one Jesus that he loves. By the sending of his son Jesus to make a way for us to know him personally and to live in his house forever. God the Father was pouring out upon us matchless grace on all of us that he knew would sin. That he knew at times would rebel against him. And yet this loving father still wanted to choose us and adopt us and pour out grace upon us. And he decided to give us his grace and favor. I like to say it this way. He chose to give us favor instead of fury. When we deserved his wrath for turning against him and living in complete opposition to his word, what we got was favor. And what we get today is favor instead of fury. Now, he could have decided before he created anything, if my creation turns against me, that's it. No grace. No second chance. 
He could have decided, if my creation rebels against me, they will never, ever be part of my family. But by sending Jesus, the Father was pouring out His grace on you and me. By sending Jesus, He was giving us an opportunity to turn from our sin and to have the penalty for our sins paid for. By Jesus giving His sinless life on the cross as a payment for our sins. So listen, the people of God's kingdom are blessed, blessed people. If you've come to the Father by putting your trust in Jesus the Son, I want you to get it down in your soul this morning that I belong to the family. I belong to God's forever family. I want you to understand your name has been signed into the family book. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Folks, we are first blessed by the Father's plan. And all of God's people said, Amen. His plan before He created anything was to choose us, adopt us, and give grace to us. That's our God. Second, we are blessed by the Son's payment. This is the second blessing. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to earth, God came to earth, lived without sin, then offered his sinless life as a payment for all sin, all people, for all time. And the Father accepted his sacrifice as full payment for our sin. In other words, Jesus came and redeemed us. Write that down. He redeemed us. Now, to redeem something is to buy back something that you originally owned. Today, we have all kinds of collection centers around our city that will redeem or buy back all kinds of things so that they can be recycled. Soda cans, water bottles, all kinds of stuff. Things that have been used, lost, tossed, stamped, stomped, so that they might recycle them and make something new out of them. God the Father made a way to buy us back from a life of sin. His son Jesus paid the price to buy us back with his blood and make us new. It's his perfect sinless life given for us that paid the penalty for all of our sins. It's his blood that redeems us. His payment puts you back into the arms and the house of the father. Now, the, the father created man. And he created us to all belong to his family. But get this, when Adam, the first man created, sinned, from that point on, all of us born after him were born into sin. We all became a part of not God's family, but a part of Adam's family. Now, maybe some of you feel like you truly belong to the Adam's family. Maybe you've so messed up your life, you feel like you look like Lurch and you belong to the Adams family. Maybe some of you, like Adam, have been following the ways of Satan and you belong to the wrong family. But in verse 7, the Bible says, in him, Jesus, we have redemption. In other words, we have been purchased back from Adam's family into God's family. Through his blood, the blood shed on the cross to pay for our sins. 
The Bible goes on to say, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since now we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have reconciliation. Now this next verse from 1 Corinthians, get this. The Bible says you were bought at a price. The price of God coming to earth, taking on human flesh that feels like our flesh, and saying, you can nail me to a cross because I'm giving my life, my sinless life, to pay for all the sins of all people for all time. Through his blood, our sins are paid for. And the Bible says in Revelation, the very last book in the Bible, and they sang a new song saying, you, Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God. You redeemed for God. The Father, persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You see, at one time, sin owned us. It it was our master. Satan was our master. But Jesus gave his life to redeem us, to bring us back to the arms of the Father. But he didn't stop there. Beyond that, write this down, he then forgave us. You know, when any of our kids get in trouble, as a parent, we'll go and we'll try to rescue them and we'll, we'll try to redeem them and bring them back. But Jesus says, I'm going to go a step further. I'm not only going to get them out of some trouble, I'm going to completely forgive them. I'm going to forgive them. He forgave us for every wrong we would ever do. The father knew that every kid he created to belong to his family would be tempted by Satan. The father knew that every kid he created to belong to his family would fall into sin. And so the father sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins and to forgive us of every sin we would ever commit. And the Bible says this, in him we have redemption through his blood, and here it is, and the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. Listen, what Jesus forgives, the Bible teaches, he remembers no more. He forgets our sin. When he forgives us, he forgets. We can't do that. But he says he wipes our sins out and he he casts them as far as, as from the east to the west. So if you ever start going east, when do you get to the west? Never. He doesn't ever remember our sins. He forgives us completely. And beyond that, then he revealed the future to us. He says, I not only want you back in my family. I'm not only going to completely forgive you for everything you've done wrong against me. Every unholy thing. But he says, I want to show you what's really going to happen. He revealed the future to us. He says, I want you to know something. The Bible says, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, he wanted us to know which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. Now listen close. That that scripture simply means this. 
The Father made it known in His Word that there's coming a day when the times will reach their fulfillment and that the end of this place, the end of this world as we know it, will come to an end. It'll be done. A time is coming when all in heaven and on earth are going to bow to Jesus Christ and call Him Lord. A day when Jesus will reign over all. Today, Jesus is head over His church, head over His people of the kingdom. But the day's coming when He's going to be ahead over all creation. And those of us who have loved Him will be the people of His new kingdom. And we will reign with Him forever in heaven. Folks, that is the future that He has revealed that is ours. And all of God's people said, Amen. We are blessed people. Now listen close. We're getting close to this coming day. But if you've asked Jesus to redeem you and forgive you, you belong to His family. Heaven is your future. There is more after this life. The grave is not the end. And because of the Father's plan, your name is signed in the family book. And because of the Son's payment, you are saved from the penalty of every sin you've ever committed. The people of God's kingdom are blessed. We're blessed by the Father's plan, the Son's payment, and then last this morning, we're blessed by the Spirit's presence. The Spirit's presence. This is the third blessing. And in verse 13, we shift from talking about the Father and the Son to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. We call it the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. One God, three roles. And the Holy Spirit has a role in our lives. The Bible says, And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. It is the Holy Spirit who was sent to earth after Jesus rose from the, rose from the grave. It was the Holy Spirit who came after Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. It is the Holy Spirit who enters our lives. It's the Holy Spirit who cleanses us from sin and gives us a new life in Christ when we ask and trust Jesus to forgive our sins and become Savior and Lord of our life. It's the Spirit of God who comes into us and does the Father's work inside of us. It is the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, who seals us in Christ forever. Now, His seal does three things. His seal proves that you are authentic. Just like the seal on some official document says this document is real. The Holy Spirit, in the same way, His presence in our life says to the Father, this person is part of your family. This person's name is written in your city's book. This person has been made new by Jesus. He's authentic. He is the real deal. He's not trying to sneak into your kingdom, Father. He is a person of your kingdom. His seal authenticates you. Second, His seal preserves you. His presence keeps you pure and fresh and alive through the power of Jesus Christ. 
Now, I grew up watching and helping my mom make some homemade jam, kind of like this picture up here, the top left corner. We, we had jars like that and, and lids like that, and, and we made a lot of jam from the fruit that was on our farm. And once the fresh, hot jam had been poured into the jar, whether it was apple or, or strawberry, didn't matter, before the lid went on, mom poured a layer of paraffin wax, hot paraffin wax on top of the jam. And quickly that wax hardened and sealed the whole top of the jar. And that seal allowed no air to enter the jar. Nothing from the outside could enter into the jam. Nothing from the outside could spoil the jam. The seal preserved the jam. Now listen, that seal kept the jam secure and pure until the day that mom called for it to be brought upstairs from the cellar where it was kept. And in the same way, the seal of the Holy Spirit, His presence in our lives, makes us ready and keeps us ready for the day when God the Father calls us upstairs to be in His eternal presence. And God's people said, Amen. It's the seal of the Spirit that says to the Father, He's authentic. And He's been preserved for this moment. Now don't mistake me, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. We will never be perfect. But the Spirit preserves our soul, amen? And He keeps us ready for that day that God calls us up. And then His seal marks you. The Holy Spirit's presence in you is like a mark that you even find on cattle when they've been ear-tagged. The owner's personal mark on his cattle identifies to whom they belong. So no matter where those cattle roam, on the open pasture or on the open range, there is no doubt to whom they belong to. The owner's mark is there. In the same way, the Holy Spirit's presence in you is like a mark. It's not a physical mark, but when he is in you, there is no doubt to whom you belong to. People easily see that you belong to the Father's herd. Now, some of you aren't real excited about being called cows this morning, but but you belong to the Father's herd, His family. They can see that you belong to God's family and you belong to the Father. And although it's not a physical mark, it can be seen because the Bible says where the Spirit of God is, the fruit of the Spirit is. Take a look at this scripture. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, His family, have crucified the flesh with His passions and desires. Those are the marks of the Holy Spirit. That is what He produces in the person where He truly lives. And when people see you living out your life, and they do things against you, but what they get back from you is love, they say, this person belongs to a different family. They see you going through all the same stuff that they go through in life, but you seem to have an inner peace that they just can't understand. They say, who is this person? They must belong to a whole different system than I belong to. They see you getting cut off on on the freeway. I got cut off three times this week. People just cut in, no blinker, anything, cut off. And they see you don't give the usual gesture, you know. (laughs) And instead you're patient, you have self-control. And they say this person belongs to a different 
set of rules and family and system. The mark of the Holy Spirit is seen. So write this down. When the Holy Spirit is in us, He authenticates us to the Father. Father, they're the real deal. They're part of our family. Secondly, He preserves us for the future with the Father. And thirdly, He marks us for a witness to the world for the Father. Now listen, if you've asked Jesus to redeem you and forgive you, I want you to walk out of this place and say, I belong to the family. Because if you've done that sincerely in your heart, you belong to the family. Heaven is your future. There is more after this life. Because of the Father's plan, your name is signed in the family book. Because of the Son's payment, you are saved from the penalty of the sins you've committed. Because of the Spirit's presence, you're sealed for the coming day of the Lord. And that makes us, what? Blessed people. We have been chosen. We have been loved. We have been redeemed and graced and adopted and sealed and preserved and marked. People of the kingdom, we are blessed. Amen? Amen. We are blessed. Because of the Father's plan, your name can be signed in His book. Because of the Son's payment, You can be saved from the penalty of sin. Because of the Spirit's presence, you can be sealed for the coming day of the Lord. I like to say it this way. You can be signed, sealed, and not delivered, but signed, sealed, and saved. (laughs) If you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those of us who have already done that, we are truly blessed people. We are blessed beyond measure. And so I want you to finish this sentence for me. I'm going to say I am, and I want you to fill in the blank verbally, just really nice and strong with the word blessed. Are you ready? Repeat after me. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am really blessed. Even if I lose my job, I am blessed. Even if I lose my home, I am blessed. Even if I lose my health, I am blessed. Even if I lose a loved one, I am blessed. Even if I become destitute. And I have to live on the street the rest of my life. I am. You didn't convince me. I am. Even if I become destitute and have little to eat, I am blessed. Even if I have no shoes to wear, I am. Even I have no brush for my hair, I am. Because of the Father's plan, the Son's payment, and the Spirit's presence, I am blessed. People of the kingdom are blessed people. Would you bow with me? If you are a person of the kingdom, you're part of his family, you've asked Christ to come into your life and forgive your sins, would you just simply repeat this prayer in your heart as I pray it? Father, thank you for making it possible for me to belong to your family forever and ever. I am truly blessed. But if you're here this morning and you can't say that you've ever really asked Jesus to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and be your Savior and Lord. You can do that this morning. And if you repeat this prayer sincerely in your heart, as I pray it out loud, you pray it in your heart, you can leave this place and you too can say, I now belong to the right family, to God's family. I encourage you to leave this place with that settled in your heart once and for all. 
Would you pray this as I pray it? Father, thank you for all you've done to let me be part of your family. Today I ask Jesus to forgive me of all my sins. I admit that I have sinned. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I believe he rose again to prepare a place for me to live in heaven with him. And I confess today that I will now live for Jesus and be part of his kingdom. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that if we'll confess Jesus, if we'll not be ashamed of Jesus before men, that he'll confess us before the Father. And so I just want to ask you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you made a major recommitment of your life this morning, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I want to admit that, confess it before you and, and God. Just lift up your hand. Okay, awesome, awesome, wonderful, great. Just lift up your hand. Just let me know. We'll be praying for you. Wonderful. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that this isn't all there is. That from the very beginning of time, you had a plan for us to live with you forever. By faith, we put all of our trust in you. And all of God's people said, amen.